Well, good morning. It's good to see each and every one of you. And if uh, you're a guest, thanks so much for being here today. For those of you that are watching online, I uh, just want to let you know um, something about the online. We've been doing the live stream as well as the Facebook Live, but some of the uh, internet connectivity here at the church, uh, we've had to switch to just doing the live stream. So when you're away during the month of July, uh, and you go on Facebook and you're like, okay, how come I can't see the service? You just have to click over to the link to go to the live stream and you'll be able to watch the service. So does that make sense? All right, good. So we want to make sure you're all able to stay up with us. We know July is a big vacation month. But we're starting a brand new sermon series today. Uh, we're just really excited about here uh, called Life Verse. And the idea is, is that each and every one of us as followers of Jesus has a verse that maybe we just hold on to, that we cling to, that this is just a verse that has special meaning for us. And uh, sometimes people have life verses and they're very positive, they're uplifting, they're encouraging, and so they kind of just hold on to that verse. Or maybe you've been through a, a tough circumstance in your life and so there's a verse that just really speaks to maybe that tough circumstance and how God was with you each and every step of the way. And uh, today you're going to hear what my life verse is. It's a verse that uh, has stuck with me since I began uh, full-time ministry early 18 years ago. And um, it's written by a guy named Paul, uh, he, and we're going to learn a little bit more about him today as well. Uh, but I wanted, to, I wanted to ask, as we start this series, how many of you, you have a life verse? Right, you have a, look at that. Many of you have a life verse. How many of you, you don't have a life verse? So that's about 50-50. So here's the challenge. As we go through the month of July, there's five Sundays in July, we're going to encourage every single person here to actually come up with a life verse. And we're doing this for a couple different reasons because we think it would be really cool to see just all the different verses that God has impressed upon uh, people that call Shepherd's Gate home. Uh, heart. And so as you can see, you might be wondering, hey, what happened to the set design team? Did they forget to finish this morning? Um, they actually did this on purpose because what they're going to do is each and every week they're going to be adding more and more verses. And so they're going to wait to get some verses from you guys and add them. And then the next couple of weeks, everyone's going to be given a card and you're going to be able to write your life verse on the card and they're, they're going to somehow incorporate this uh, into the set. So it's going to be really cool just to see it all come together. So this is your warning if you don't have a life verse, all right? You got a whole week to dig into God's word, uh, do some Googling, figure out what that might be. And as I said, today you're going you're gonna to hear uh, my life verse and see the, the verse that I picked. Some of you might think, wow, this is kind of an interesting <laughs> verse to have. Uh, but for me, it's really important. Um, it's something that's so foundational to who I am, even the way that I lead and the way that I teach and all of those things. And uh, it was written by a guy, as I said, named Paul. He wrote two letters to this young pastor named Timothy, 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy. And so this one's found in 2 Timothy, uh, which he wrote several years after 1 Timothy. And it's actually Paul's final letter. These are his final words of advice to this young guy named Timothy. And I believe it's going to be applicable to all of us today. And one of the reasons I love the writings of Paul, Paul wrote most of the letters in the New Testament, is he has actually a very systematic way of, of writing. And he loves lists. If any of you have read the New Testament, if you haven't, uh, he really uses a lot of, so he uses a lot of words like do this, 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 and this, and this. And it just, for whatever reason, kind of gels with me. I like lists. I like, anybody else like to-do lists? Uh, so when you, when you look at a verse of Paul, you're like, oh, okay, well, I can, I can look and say, okay, I need to do this, this, and this, or this, or, you know, here and there. Uh, and also, Paul is a guy that's not really afraid of confrontation. Anybody else out there, you don't really mind confrontation? So there's like five of us, okay. 
you resonate with Paul as well. So much so that Paul actually puts names of people in First and Second Timothy that he's not very happy with, that aren't living the Christian life that the, that the way that they should. And think about these poor guys. Their names are in the Bible forever, right? Uh, so you get that kind of a leadership, kind of an idea of who Paul is. And so um, let's turn in our Bibles. We're going to turn to the verse here. It's 2 Timothy. It's in the fourth chapter, which is the final chapter of 2 Timothy. It's on page 996. If you're in the front row, the Bibles are underneath you, or you can just grab the one that's right in front. If you want to use a Bible app on your phone, we're cool with that as well. And what we're going to do is we're going to read it in context, which is what we're going to do each uh, and every week of this series. We're going to read the passage in the context, and what we'll do is we'll hone in on just one verse, and then what we'll do is we'll break that verse down together. I got this backwards. And so here it goes. You can see it's the second book. It's the final chapter. These are his final words of advice for Timothy. He says this, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Okay, look at this list here. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. I think the first part's a little bit easier than the second part of that sentence, all right? For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but have itching ears. They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. Well, that's interesting. And will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded. Endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering. And the time of my departure has come. Okay, so this is how we know he's at the end. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. And so you can kind of get his heart and his passion as he's giving these final instructions, these final words uh, to Timothy. In fact, as you look at just these two letters, and they really don't take a lot, uh, long time to read. They're both uh, very short uh, letters. Uh, some of the other passages that may be well known sometimes that people use as their life verses are this. This is one that uh, teenagers love. It's found in the first letter. It says, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. So you see, you're kind of getting the pattern of Paul here. Or in 2 Timothy 2.15, do your best to present yourself to God as one who is approved, a worker who doesn't need to be ashamed, but who correctly handles the word of truth. And so he's encouraging him as, as, as he, Timothy is pastoring a church and as he's having to be in this leadership position, he's saying, here's the things that you really need to hone in on. And I believe that this isn't just for us as pastors or for church workers, but it's all of us in our vocations and our calling what God has called us to do. In fact, now we're just going to hone in right on chapter 4, verses 5, and I want you to look at what it says next, or what it says first. It says this in the very first uh, part of the sentence. It says, as for you, right? Paul is personalizing it to Timothy. He's honing in on Timothy, and he's saying, as for you. And why is he doing this? Because he's comparing about what we just read. 
that so often that, that there's people out there that, that, that really don't want to know what the Word of God says, that don't go to the Word of God and allow it to dictate how to live its life. They'd rather go to the Word of God and massage the Scriptures and maybe come up with things that make them feel more comfortable. Or there's areas of the Bible and sometimes you know, they're really difficult, but you know, since it makes us uncomfortable, well, let's just change it or let's just ignore it or let's just do this or that. And Paul's warning Timothy, hey, there's people out there that are going to fall into that trap. And there's pastors and preachers that are going to fall into that trap. And there's people that are going to be drawn to them because, and I kind of like the expression, itchy ears. Anybody ever use that expression at home? Right? You use that with your kids? Somebody's nodding yes. That's kind of cool. I'm going to do that with my kids from now on. They're itchy ears. They, they, they want to hear uh, what they want to hear. They don't actually want to know the truth. But Paul, in his final instructions, he's bringing it back to what the truth actually is. And he's personalizing it for Timothy. We have a responsibility to understand what it is that we believe. We have a responsibility uh, in what we allow to influence our lives. So let me ask you this morning, what kind of books do you read? What kind of preachers do you listen to? What are the Bible studies that you partake in? What are the things that you allow to influence your life and are they based on the word of God? And so oftentimes people will say, man, I don't understand, you know, I'm new to this church thing and it seems like even Christians have a hard time getting along and why can't we all just get along, right? Isn't it just all about Jesus? Can't we all just say Jesus loves me and be the end of it and stuff like that? And really, truly, what we believe, and you've heard us say this over and over again, especially this year, what we believe matters. Our doctrine matters. And I want to show you, it's not just in our day and age, it was in their day and age as well. In fact, this is what Paul told Timothy. He said this. He's told him, watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. That we are to watch our lives and how we live it. And we are to watch our doctrine and we're to study God's word and we're to read things within context and we're to understand truly what God has called us to do and not just jump on the next bandwagon or the next Bible study or this or that, but to really truly know what it is that we believe as a church. So there's obviously a responsibility, those that are in leadership here at Shepherd's Gate, but there's a responsibility for you as well as an individual, whether you're a father or a mother and what you're teaching your kids and what you're showing them in God's word about how they are to live their lives. We all share this responsibility. It is so important that we understand that. Second part of our focus first this morning is he says this, always be sober-minded. And what's so interesting about this word sober-minded is it actually comes from a Greek word because the New Testament was written in Greek and they have a lot more words than we do in the English language. So Bible translators do their best to try to pick and choose the right words. But this word sober-minded means to be calm, focused and controlled. So he's telling them, as you live out your Christian life, as you live out your vocation, you are to be calm, you are to be focused, and you are to be controlled or self-controlled. How are we doing on this one? Right? How are we doing, moms and dads? How are we doing, grandmas and grandpas? Some of you are laughing. Some of you, I don't even have, the word of God's convicting you. It's great. Some of you, you know what this means, Right? God has called us to live differently. God has called us to watch the words that come out of our mouths, to guard our attitude. Man, there's so many scriptures from one end to the other about this kind of stuff. Constantly being warned that our attitudes and our actions and our thoughts and our words, they matter. They matter huge. 
And yet God has called us into that, into that reality, especially, again, as parents and what we're passing on to the next generation. So interesting that uh, we, um, we've been mixing up the way that we do meetings here at, at Shepherd's Gate with our staff. And so um, we thought uh, starting in June we would kind of... Uh, kind of break the patterns that we've, been, that we've been on for several years. And so we started uh, having different groups of people meet as a way to kind of, you know, just keep, continue to unify our staff. And so one of those meetings took place last week and I was in charge of leading that meeting. And it was kind of cool because there was different staff members that I don't normally get to be in meetings with at the meeting. And um, I thought that I would be funny because sometimes I think I'm funny. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> My wife says not so much. Um, and so I started the meeting by, in my heart, thinking I was being funny, but it wasn't really that funny. Uh, in fact, I found out after the meeting that I wasn't funny at all. And so um, I ended up having to go and personally apologize uh, to another staff member. And then I had to go and I had to email everybody else that was at the meeting and just say, listen, I'm really sorry. I didn't mean to do it. Uh, please forgive me. And really, truly, like, we're, we don't always get this right, right? We're human. We, we fall short. We're sinners. And sometimes that's what happens. And really, truly, what God would ask us to do is to humble ourselves, to admit when we don't get it right, or if we have anger issues, or we have whatever it is in, in our life, that we would admit to that and we'd work toward having God help us and navigate those circumstances. All of us have an opportunity, have an obligation to be sober-minded, to watch what we say and think. And then look at what it says next, right? You, some of you are probably wondering, this is such an odd life verse. What is wrong with you? I love to be challenged. That's why. Endure suffering. Anybody want some more suffering in their life? Right? They're like, why didn't you just pick Jesus wept? That would have been much easier. Um, endure suffering. And so think about that. Why would Paul be telling Timothy to endure suffering? What would be the reason that he would need to hone in on this and make sure that he knew these final instructions? I mean, Paul really is warning Timothy that he needs to be ready. That he needs to be ready to endure hardship is what, is what other translations say. In fact, this whole idea of, en of endurance is actually a major theme in Paul's letter, especially in 2 Timothy. It's repeated four other times in the book. And the idea that Paul is trying to get across is not merely surviving situations. He isn't saying, hey, just survive the situation, but actually maintaining a, a Christian perspective during the difficult times of life. And so often that's a good reminder for us that yes, not everything is going to work out in this life. Amen? Man, that all of us go through hardships. All of us go through difficulties. All of us get news that we don't want to get. All of us get surprises that we don't really want to deal with or surprises that come up that maybe we didn't have anything else to do with somebody else influenced and now we have to put the pieces back together. We got to figure out how to do this whole thing. And Paul today, as he tells Timothy, is telling us and God is telling us in his word that all of us are called to endure suffering, to be ready for this, to be equipped for this, to guard to know that this is going to take place. And I don't know about you, but so often in my life, when, when hardships are, are taking place, I can kind of fall into the woe is me category. Anybody else struggle with this? And so things start happening, and things aren't working out, and you're like, and then you start doing the, you know, the, the scorecard with God. And you say, listen, I've been in church, I've prayed, I've given, I've read my Bible sometimes. You know what I mean? Like, I've done all these things, God, for you. 
and yet nothing is going the way that I want. You're still putting me through these trials and circumstances. And then you look at other people's lives, right? And you go, man, they have it all together. Or they don't struggle financially. Or God, why do you make it so easy for them? Why is it that I have to go through the hardships that I go through? And then the Holy Spirit comes alongside us and he, he net, lovingly, gently nudges us and reminds us that we have everything that we need in Jesus Christ. That we don't deserve any of the things that we think that we deserve. He's actually given us everything we could need through Jesus Christ and his sacrifice on the cross for our sins. Everything else is just the gravy on the top. In fact, there's so many scriptures that talk about life and this life and how it's a struggle. And when we deal with it because we're sinners, we deal with it because of Adam and Eve, we deal with it because of the reality of living in a fallen world. But yet he's called us to endure. In fact, James uh, put it this way. He said, consider it pure joy, which is, always gets me. Consider it joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. See, nobody got away with an easy life in the Bible. None of the Old Testament people, none of them you can point to and say, oh man, that guy had it easy, or that girl had it easy. Everyone went through trials. You can't point to anybody in the New Testament and say, oh yeah, the disciples, they had it easy, they had Jesus. Or Paul, I mean, look at the life that that guy lived, if you ever studied his life. Anybody, from start to finish, everybody has faced trials. But look at what he says, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance that as we go through these trials as our faith is tested that that actually is what gives us the fuel to face another day to face another tomorrow to get through the tough circumstances of life as I said you know so often I can fall in that woe is me category I don't know if that's you as well and I can start uh, you know you start fantasizing about you know doing something else than what you're doing does anyone ever do that in your career you just think about man it'd be so cool you do this guy right here for sure right <laughs> Sometimes I think to myself, man, if I would have done, and I really tried hard to not be a pastor. I really did. Some of you know the story. And I'm just like, man, it'd be so cool. I really, truly think it would be awesome to work at a bank. <laughs> Anybody else with me on that? You will be when you understand my logic behind this. They get so many holidays and days off. I'm serious, isn't that awesome? Like, I just think, no, I, I actually, it'd be cool just to, to, to be in that kind of environment. Or maybe you think to yourself, oh man, I really wish I would have done this, or I really wish I would have done that. But yet, God has given you the gifts and the abilities that he's given you. He's called you the vocation that he's called you for a reason. And all of us, we endure suffering. And then he says this in his list to Timothy. He says, do the work of an evangelist. Well, what's an evangelist? Evangelist is really somebody who just presents the good news of Jesus. You just tell other people about Jesus. And some of you in here, you're really good at this, aren't you? Like you just live your life, you're in the grocery store, I mean, you're at the gas station, you even go around the pump to talk to people. I mean, it doesn't matter where you're at, you just always are telling somebody else about Jesus. Who, who are those people in our church? Go ahead, raise your hand, right? Same thing as 8.30, there's like three people that raised their hand. Why is this such a struggle for us? Right? Why is it so hard for us to share our faith? The gift that God has given, this incredible gift that he saved us, that he calls us his own, that he's brought us into his family. So many people inside the church struggle to be an evangelist. What's so interesting about this word evangelist is it's not found in the Bible very often. 
In fact, it's only found in a couple other places. One is in Acts with this guy named Philip. He was called Philip the Evangelist. He was picked, right? The other time is in one of Paul's letters in Ephesians uh, where he lists spiritual gifts for the church and he lists this office of evangelist. But yet all of us have been called to share our faith. All of us have been called to share our faith. And for me, and I know I can get out of this pretty easy, right? I'm a pastor, right? Like I can, do, I can go home at the end of the day and be like, yeah, I got this down. Man, I, I talked to so many people today about Jesus and I prayed with so many people today, check off the evangelist list, right? But you know, it's not true at all because most of the people I talk through all day long, they're already Christians. They're you. You're the ones that I talk to. I am not doing a better job. And, and sometimes I get an advantage because of the platform that I get. Right, so last week I was doing a wedding uh, for a couple here at Shepherd's Gate, a student that I had in youth group, and I love doing uh, weddings for students that I've had. And here we are at the Royal Park Hotel. That place is amazing, immaculate. Uh, and just uh, was able to do that, and people were coming up to me afterwards and like, oh, we're gonna come to Shepherd's Gate, we're gonna come check out your church, where's your church, where's your church, where's your church? Guess what? That doesn't count either, all right? It's that day-to-day -day interaction, it's that personal connection that we make with people, that we live truly in this light of God calling us to bear witness of who he is and what he has done in our lives. And so as I was thinking about this week, maybe it's this simple. Maybe if we could just take our life verse, those of you who are going to be working on that this week, if you find your life verse and you add it to your personal testimony of how God has impacted your life, what if that was evangelism? What if it was simple as that? What would that look like for you? And how would God give you the courage and the strength to step out and to share your faith with somebody else around you? See, us as adults, it's not just about us, man. We have a priority to our kids and to our grandkids and to those that God has placed in our lives. Life verse plus personal testimony. God's called us all to be evangelists. And the last thing he tells them is this, is to fulfill your ministry. Fulfill your ministry. So it's not just being sober-minded, it's not just enduring hardship and suffering, but that we all have actually been called by God for a specific purpose and plan. All of you in here have gifts and abilities that God has given you. And you know that even your education comes from God. The ability for you to have the gifts that you have, everything that you have comes from God. But the question becomes, are you using that to glorify God? Or are you using that for yourself? Are you actively fulfilling the ministry that God has placed on your life? Are you living out the vocation that he has called you to? And you know we talk a lot about this because obviously if you're married, your first priority is to your spouse. And then if you have kids, it's to your kids and to your family. And so everything else falls underneath that. And so often we're sucked into the trap of it, making everything else the priority based on, uh, based on all these other circumstances, based on what God has actually truly called us to do. He's called us to fulfill our ministries. What ministry has God called you to do? Are you serving with the gifts that he's given you, both inside and outside the church? Are you still sitting on the sidelines? Are you still just kind of, you know, dreaming about doing something else? Are you getting frustrated because things aren't going well? Or are you doing what God has truly equipped and called you to do? And if you're not, why aren't you doing that? What will it take to cross over the line to begin to use those gifts for his glory and for his honor? 
He wants everyone involved. He wants everyone in the game. It's so, under, it's so important that we understand that our calling is not just to us as ourselves either, that we truly have to pass this on to the next generation. And one of the things we've been working with our staff with this year and challenging them is really truly looking at what it is that they do here at the church, that they get paid to do. And thinking about, are they bringing people around them? Are they equipping people? Are they uh, supporting people? Are they raising people up? From whatever your role is, every single person can be part of this. And so two of the questions that we've been asking all all along in 2018 is this, is what are you doing that somebody else could be doing? And I want you to think about that in your own life. What are you doing that somebody else could be doing that would free you up to do your call, your actual call in life? And then think about this. What are you doing that nobody else can do? And when you figure out what that thing is that you can do that nobody else can do, hone in on that. Become an expert in that. Work on that. Focus on that area. And watch what God does. So this morning, it's kind of simple as we start this new sermon series, as we look at this whole concept of life verse. I just want us to look at it again. I want you to let God's word speak to you as this is what it says, 2 Timothy 4.5. Can you put it up there for me? Matty. There it is. We're going to read it slow. Ready? As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. And here's the cool part. So that when we screw it up, when we get it wrong, what does God do? He lovingly comes alongside us. He picks us up. He centers our thoughts and our attentions on him. And he forgives us. And he puts us on the path that he has for us. So again, I would just encourage you, figure out what that life verse is for you. I can't wait to see all the life verses come in and just be able to read through all the different cards and see how this whole thing comes to life throughout the month of July. But we're going to end our series this morning by doing something we do often here. It's receiving Holy Communion. And if you're new to Shepherd's Gate, this is our communion statement I would just point your attention to. And you're invited to come if you're a believer in Jesus and you believe what we believe about communion, that Christ is actually present in communion. And he gives us this incredible gift for the forgiveness of our sins, but he also gives us communion so that our faith would be strengthened, like it talked about in that passage, for the endurance of our faith. And so our practice here is to bow our heads and to close our eyes and we kind of just have a moment of silence where we confess our sins to God. So let's do that together, church. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Done for us on the cross that you have indeed forgiven us of all of our sins and you cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. And now may this true body and true blood of our Lord and Savior, may it strengthen you and preserve you and keep you in the one true faith until life everlasting. Amen. Receive the blessing of the Lord this morning. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And may he look upon you with favor and give you his peace.